Hello and welcome to FM On Demand with Tara Fitzpatrick. I'm your host, Tara Fitzpatrick, and this week we have Senior Executive Chef Eric Young from Bowling Green State University, and we talked about regional foods of Ohio, which is something that I love to talk about. Before he came to Bowling Green, he was at Miami University for a long time, which is in the southern part of Ohio, and there is a food there called Geta, G-O-E-T-T-A, I believe. And him talking about this really just jogged my memory. It's a great example of how food can do that. And it reminded me of a time when I was with my family down in Cincinnati. My brother Bobby was going to Xavier. So we went there like periodically, once in a while. And we had Geta. And the first time that we had it was at this coffee shop. I wish I could remember the name of it, but I can't. My brother Bobby really, he prefers like the kind of coffee shop that kind of serves food, but it doesn't really like that's, <laughs> that's his ideal place to go. So I remember it took like several hours for us to sit and wait. And finally we got the get up and it is, I don't know if you don't know what it is, I'll let you find out on your own. But anyway, back to the topic at hand, we are talking with BGSU chef, Eric Young. We go off on many tangents. We talk about the robots that are there. We wrote about them when they first started um, during the pandemic. And we kind of just find out like how the robots have been progressing, like what they've been doing to make them even better and what your future with robots might look like, you know? So please enjoy. Thank you for coming along with me on my tangent about regional foods. Welcome, Eric. Thank you for being here. Thank you. It's very exciting. It's going to be uh, a lot of great topics to talk about today. Yes, absolutely. And previously on the podcast, we've had your marketing guy, the great John Zachrick. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is all, I, it's a focus on Bowling Green and it's absolutely. it's nearby. It's, it's close to where I live. I live in Lorain, Ohio. Okay. And I had a bunch of cousins that went to Bowling Green. There was Lena, Brooke, Nikki. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. <laughs> it's definitely something I'm familiar with. So I just I wanted to see how's how's your year been going so far? We're we're into the new year. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, so we've had an incredibly busy year. So this is my first year on campus. Uh, previously, I was the campus chef at Miami University for the last 10 years. That's right. And um, so this is my first year on Bowling Green's campus. And we are, we're doing a lot of things. We made a lot of changes on campus. It's, um, it's an exciting time. It's an incredibly busy time. Um, One thing that I've sort of figured out about the, the Bowling Green students right off the bat is they love events. They love special events, any kind of, uh, a cooking-based thing or a cultural cool. series they really, really, really dig into. So oh, we yeah. really focused on a couple of cool things. So we've been doing a bunch of different cultural series. So we did a Latinx um, uh, series uh, in the fall, which was cool. huge, celebrating the food and cultures from all over South and Central America. Um, we yeah, just, that covers that covers a lot of ground, definitely for sure. It really does, and, yeah. and you know, I think that you think that you know a lot of things until you start doing research for yes. those different things. And boy, so those, true. Uh, even within Mexico, just mm-hmm. looking at Mexico, those styles are so different for the different regions of Mexico. Yeah, and, you know, that's one thing that I think that we all have to be super cognizant of is 
you know, these students have traveled, they've, they've, they've grown up with the Food Network. That's what they know. That's true. And so they are more educated than we ever were as consumers. Yeah. And they know when you're snowing them and when you're not. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I know. Like the average um, college student might know a lot more about like El Salvador food, for example. And they'll say, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not authentic. It's interesting too, to, to come across the, the kind of web of students that, uh, that I, this country, the, the diversity of this country is so much different than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago that they've likely come across somebody in their travels from some of these different areas and they spent time eating at their house and yeah. talking about food and all that sort of thing. So they know the difference For sure. between authentic and something that's not authentic. Yeah. So, and even, even students that you have from Ohio, it's like, we have so many, so much diversity in Ohio. Yeah. It's like, people may not think that, but it's like Lorraine, for example, we have a really strong Puerto Rican population. So it's like people here grew up with like knowing what that type of food is. So it's, yeah. I had a chance when I first moved up here um, to go up to Toledo a couple of times oh, and yeah. eat around Toledo a little bit. And I don't know that I realized the, how big the Cuban population was in Toledo. And so eating some really great Cuban food yeah. in the middle of Toledo, you think, you know, well, this is I'm going to be exposed to sausages and things like that. But <laughs> right. There's a vibrant, you know, um, uh, Cuban. Cuban. Yeah, Cuban. it goes beyond yeah. Tony Paco's, which yeah. which are delicious <laughs> Hungarian sausages. But that's an icon. Have you have you been there yet? I have. I have. Yes. I You know, that's that for me is the. <laughs> Always when I'm in a new area, I want to eat through the new area. And that helps me to understand that area a little bit better. So. It's true. And there, for people who are listening who don't know, their claim to fame was the TV show MASH that was on in the 70s. Yep. And one of the characters was like from Toledo. I don't, I think the actor himself is from Toledo. And then he, he kind of just put this place on the map and it's just yep. gone from there. One sure. of the episodes they actually had Tony Paco's mailed to him in the middle of Korea. That's so cool. <laughs> Maybe far, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And it just really, and they love him. He loved, loved to go and visit and all celebrities who go there, they sign a hot dog bun. So that's, yeah. that's the fun part of it all. So yeah, sorry, very sidetracked. So we, so, um, so we just, um, we're, we have done uh, a significant Black History Month event already. On I saw that. Um, so um, we're getting ready to do um, an event with an Indian student association. So we're bringing oh, nice. on a Cleveland restaurant um, oh. to do a station takeover uh, named Chula. And they're going to do a station takeover for us. Very cool. With our Indian student association here um, to do some cultural events and have some information tables and things like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've done a lot of sustainability station takeovers, uh, including a, a thing with a zero waste station. So if you're not yeah. on college campus and and bought into that fully, then you are probably looking for a new job because that is so important to students today. Oh yeah. We have to make that a major, major, major part of what it is that we do. You know, it's yeah kind of authentic foods and stories that sort of tell the the you know the, the story of the cultural yes. that's in this region, which is different and unique from anywhere else. That's what's so cool cool about food is just all the kind of little intersections that you find and and just connecting people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to ask if you had any theories or thoughts about mac and cheese because that was one of the things that I saw it was recently it looked yeah. amazing. It's <laughs> it 
such a good dish. And whenever I write something about mac and cheese, like people just always go crazy because there's it's so fun. So like, what are what's your philosophy on mac and cheese? People have opinions. Yes. <laughs> so it is for mac and cheese. I always find that the very best noodles. I like macaroni. A macaroni is fine. Mm-hmm. I like uh, any sort of noodle that's a little bit bigger and it has the ability to contain some of the sauce in it. So mm. cavatappi is one of my favorites to do a mac and cheese with. Because Which one was? Cavatappi. Cavatappi, so yes. It's a little, little longer and a little corkscrewy. Cavatappi, yes. It drinks up some of that. So it's just a happy little bonus that you yes. get right into it. And it's like a filled straw full of. So I really like for macaroni and cheese, I really like uh, either a very sharp cheese in there or mm-hmm. a smoked cheese in there. Oh, yeah. They're really wonderful. And I'm a textural guy. So mm-hmm. I got to have that layer on top that's a little crunchy. Yes. Some cheese and breadcrumbs or things like that that really make it crunchy. And I also don't believe in combining the cheese Mm-hmm. And macaroni until right before you're going to bake it, just because that macaroni has a tendency to suck up everything. Mm-hmm. You just don't want to dry macaroni and cheese. If no. that's what you bring to the party, you might as well turn around and go back home. <laughs> <laughs> so true. I know we want the ooey gooey. And I've just, I've had ever since I was in college, I've used the same recipe from Alton Brown. And mm-hmm. his his mac and cheese is amazing. And I, I always get a lot of compliments on yeah. that. And it does have like a breadcrumb crust yeah. on top. You that really feel like when you're mixing it together, you always feel like, oh, this is too goopy. It's too mm-hmm. goopy. But it never is. <laughs> That's true. It finds a way. That's Absolutely. True. And also, you guys were one of the campuses, one of the main ones that we kind of covered that were um, starting to do robots. And I always thought that Bowling Green was the perfect place because it's very flat. Like mm-hmm. there's these robots can just, it seems like there's nothing. It's, it's really like a prairie out there. So how are they doing like operations wise? Like it's, you guys have been working with them for a while. Yes. Um, how's yes. it going? <laughs> it, it's great. It's really, uh-huh. really good. It is, it's kind of jarring when you first step on campus to see, it looks like a science fiction movie when you first yes. step on campus, there are little robots moving back and forth. And totally. you watch them and you think, well, how do these little guys not get squashed and how they not run into people and all that sort of thing? There's all sorts of programming behind the scenes. They graph yeah. out the campus, you know, and they're they're not just on campus. They go off campus and pick up meals from some of the right. local restaurants. They will deliver off campus. And yeah. they're, they're really, it's really, really cool process to watch. Our students absolutely love them. They are, you know, they're incredibly busy all day, but really Mm -hmm. late nights when they hit their stride, Mm -hmm. nine o'clock at night, that's when those things are really firing out of a lot of our different operations. Yeah. A couple operations that are open till midnight and those things consume those robots capacities for that time. Oh my gosh. It's really cool for students because, you know, it's the cheaper option than Grubhub or Uber Eats or Mm -hmm. whatever. And it's a thing that they can use their own meal plan on. So they swipe, they can, we, we've got robots coming out of, you know, uh, a great majority of the places that we've got on campus and they can customize it so they can actually get a delivery of coffee from one place and food from another place. What? That's... Those robots converge on their dorm or their uh-huh. house all at the same time. So that's it's, so you know, cool. we have to spend a lot of time thinking about the food that we make. Because mm-hmm. if it doesn't fit into the robot, then it's 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 not a great thing. So we had pizzas yeah. that were a little too big in okay. the semester, and we said, yeah, we'll go down to the right size pizza that mm-hmm. fits right in the robot, and that's how we handle it. So it's a really you know it's a great partnership. Starship is is who we use on this campus, and yep. uh, 
Um, it's a really, really great partnership and the students absolutely love it. It's a very secure system. So mm-hmm. you're getting the code when the robot shows up, you're the only one that's got that code. So nobody else can go and open it up. And right. Do, no one's, no one's intercepting. The robots and just sort of the vision of it, especially when you described like the late night, they're just sort of zooming all over campus. It seems so sci-fi. And I think I I had heard or read somewhere that like they're, they designed the robots to look a little bit cute. So people will be nice to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And and a little robot is just inherently cute. Like I don't see how, but it's like, they're kind of have, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure Bowling Green students are very well behaved, but like, I always wonder like, could there be like drunken shenanigans with, (laughs) with the robots? With the cost of the robots, it is a felony to steal a robot. (laughs) (laughs) Most Bowling Green students know that now. Um, yes. The robots will actually squeal if you pick them up and squeal oh, wow. loudly. So they're oh. programmed to yell. Good for them. 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 Yes, robot. Don't let somebody <laughs> manhandle you. You, you. you let them know. People talk to them all the time yes. as they go down. You know, they have sensors and things as they go mm-hmm. down the, the walkway. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they encounter a student, they'll stop. And the student will often talk to them as they walk. Oh, yeah. Hey, buddy, you know. <laughs> Do you it's have my true. coffee in you? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, just like very much like it's technology and it's happening for sure. Absolutely. And so thinking about um, winter and staying in and getting food delivered, what we actually are having a pretty mild winter right now. It's very yes. mild. It's like in the, it's a balmy, like 40 something out there right now. It feels wonderful. But like nice. when it, when it is winter, what are, what are your like sort of go-to cozy foods for winter in Ohio? So I'm a so I'm a big fan in the cold weather of low and slow. I like braises and soups yes. and things like that. Oh yeah. Um, I generally try to eat a little bit lighter, except when we get into the winter and it's really kind of sticky things. So we need I, it. Yeah. My wife is a soup fan, <laughs> so I do a couple of of soups in the winter. That oh, really soup is so good. good. Yeah. So I do a curry, brown sugar, butternut squash soup. Ooh, and that sounds I do good. a hot wing soup. So, uh, what? so it's a it's a deconstructed sort of a hot wing in a soup uh, that you garnish up with um, with uh, blue cheese. Oh yeah, um, I could see that. That sounds very good. And I don't think I've heard of that before. This I think you invented something with that. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is definitely so. Uh, so when I take off for Bowling Green um, on on Monday mornings, I have left my family with. A couple of meals uh, that get them through the week. And so soup is often one of those things. My father lives kind of close to me, so I'll drop him off a couple of quarts of soup. And I get uh, I get an honest review every Monday afternoon <laughs> from him. Oh um, yeah. So I did a turkey, I did a turkey cabbage soup last week that oh, you know, nice. we all need a little bit more cabbage in our life. So um, we do, we do. Uh, so I I dropped that off and he uh he gave me a great review on Monday afternoon. So <laughs> I'm taking nice. with the soup a little bit, evidently next week when I when I. Oh it. yeah, so. well, it's such a good reminder for the older folks in our lives. Like, make a big batch of something and bring it over for them. My my great uncle Jack, I made cabbage and noodles, and he just like absolutely loved it. I mean, and that's again with the cabbage, like it's, <laughs> and that it's low and slow. You put it in there, your house smells amazing. I Definitely. really I love those things. I am as a family, we're. German and Scottish and uh, English. Same. So mm-hmm. I, my wife's family is very, very, very German. 
And so I wind up doing a lot of braised meats, spatzels, things like oh, that. Spatzel is so and good. That is just, oh my gosh, it is, the best. It's super versatile. It'll take on any oh, kind of yeah. flavor that you want. So I make the dumplings and then I'll pan fry them with a lot of garlic oh, and yeah. oil and butter. Um, but you can just as easily do any kind of a flavor. And so when I make that batch, I've had a spatzel maker, a little, a little machine that I, that, that you use. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and I've had that for about 40 <laughs> years. I think it's the longest lasting thing. <laughs> and when I make it, uh, there's always a discussion of how much of it I'm making. Mm. And other, other voices are in my ear saying, <laughs> I think you need to double what you were doing because <laughs> it goes over so well. For it's sure. Really so what is the tool? Is it is it like an extruder? So it's, like, it's essentially or? a box that okay. slides back and forth over a little platform that's got holes in it. So mm. you fill the box with the dough and then you move it back and forth across your pot oh, okay. and the dumplings in. So I got mine years and years ago at a Marshall's. Um, nice. and, huh. um, and it's a really super helpful thing to put it in your dough is pretty loose, you know, it's yeah, not yeah. Loose, it's pretty loose when it goes in there and it will kick out some pretty long. And so you just drop it in boiling salted water or stock. Mm. And then I cook those for just a minute and I drop them in some ice water and then I'm ready to take them wherever and put them in a hot pan and, and, uh, and kind of go on with because if you make spatzel, you gotta get it crispy when you after you. I think so too. It's because it's tender inside and crispy outside. I think yep. pan pan yep. fried is the best way with spatzel. And I think schnitzel was having a moment too. Like in just in like fine dining, I've been I've seen schnitzel around and different people are doing stuff with that. That's always good with some lemon on it. Oh. Absolutely, absolutely. It is so. Anything in the winter that you can kind of bread and fry, you know, yes. <laughs> it's the kind of a delicious meal. Yeah. And, and I think that it's, you know, like most of us, like I don't eat that way in the summer. So no. in the winter, you know, that seems like a really good kind of a hearty meal. Um, when you go, I think when you tr travel and you go to different Oktoberfests, um, oh, yeah. you, you get a chance to try those things. And growing up in the Cincinnati area, you know, oh, yeah. off Brown House, going to those areas, you know, that some of that German food was oh, yeah. amazing. I can remember as a kid going to young so my last name is a variation of a german last name so my my original name coming over from europe was j-u-n-g okay. i remember going to um some of these family reunions in like hyde park in cincinnati oh yeah most of the people were speaking german they weren't even speaking english and so i just remember walking around and being given sausages <laughs> and things like that to eat you know uh -huh. so, as a kid, you know, you were immediately sort of indoctrinated into this is how it is that we eat. And it's and it's wonderful yeah. food. I don't know if I could eat it 12 months a year. I would <laughs> no. be, I'd be a big guy after all it's, that. But it's a it's lot. A very, yeah, it's a very delicious food. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And any other we talked a little bit about Tony Paco's. Any other like regional favorites um, that people may not know about that you've sort of come across? Right. So I love the kind of discovery of what makes areas sort of unique. And so mm -hmm. one of those, like I was thinking about, we're talking about that. I was thinking about, I like ice creams from Ohio, right? Yes. Graders in Cincinnati, Jenny yeah. in Columbus, mm -hmm. uh, Toffs up here in Toledo yep. in this area. 
Um, those are, you know, those are part of the flavors of, of this area. They and, are very much so. I have like an old um, like milk carton, like when the milkman used to come. That must be from my parents' house. It's in it's in my shed and it says Toff's Dairy Sandusky and it's very old and it's one of those plastic like things that you would get. Oh my gosh. Yep. We've got a soft serve machine in our all you care to eat on campus and it's Toff's mm-hmm. products that go into it. And the students really get a chance, you know, when you think about things like that, uh, potato chips from around the mm-hmm. area, whatever, you know, you've got um, bowl rikes. Bowl rikes, those are so good. I go out of my way for those. There's something about a local potato chip. Those are delicious. Yes. Grippos out of Cincinnati. If you never mm-hmm. had a barbecue chip out of, out of Grippos in Cincinnati. I've never chip. tried that. I'll have to look for that. That's a next change time. your life good food, right? <laughs> Grippos. Um, Mike Sells in Dayton. Who just oh, yeah. They're closing after 110 years. Oh, man, that's too bad. Uh, Maybe somebody will take it over. We should buy I, it. <laughs> I, based on how much my wife has been hoarding over the last week or so that they've announced they're closing, it may be us. So. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so you they're like a I mean, regional of things like chips. that are just <laughs> incredibly cool. You know, that's yeah. something in those flavors and those styles mm-hmm. that, um, that really remind people of the area. And they say yeah. it is... For whatever reason, this is this has flourished here where others haven't. And it yeah. just ties in somehow to the sort of, you know, community. Just buying mm-hmm. local beef. We've got a, a concept on campus where we're serving local beef in our burgers. And the That's awesome. Yeah. The fact that it's in there and we're we're collecting as many local products as we possibly can to put Yes. On it. And it's like that's somebody that's raising local beef, like whether it's grass fed or not, but it's like, this is, it's good quality and you can buy like a half of a cow or maybe even for your operation, maybe you could even buy a couple cows like when it comes. So that's, yeah, that's awesome to find that stuff. A couple of months ago and stood out in a field with a, with a local farmer and we're talking about how to, you know, I mean, they're, that's the thing about local farmers, you know, they're, they're great at growing cows or chickens or pigs. They're not great marketers, right? They're just not. So we have to work with them and say, okay, so how do we get your product from this field, which is next to this lovely cow into our kitchens and students have that. So it's, you know, we have work to do Mm -hmm. to help them sort of achieve that. Promote that and do that. Yeah. I think there's only one farmer that's a good marketer and it's farmer Lee Jones. (laughs) <laughs> that guy is all over LinkedIn, man. He's he is, a genius. He's like I think he was his just story, and it's great stuff. He was just like at the Sundance Film Festival. Like this, he's completely like superstar right now. It's unbelievable. He looks like, and he looks like a guy. He's right out of Central Casting. Like if you said, I know I want, I, you're going to put a guy in overalls. He's and got he's overalls, and he has the thing where it's like Steve Jobs um, or Mark Zuckerberg, where you have a uniform. Like where yeah. you're always are wearing this, and that that would make it so easy. Like I gotta, I gotta find something i guess it would be like a hoodie or something that Absolutely. i always would pick something I, comfortable overalls are a good choice <laughs> i just i think in terms of you know like what makes the the place unique like there's mm-hmm. always local cheeses there's always local oh, cheese. Yeah. somebody's making sausage somewhere in every yes. one of those areas and it and it's just evocative mm-hmm. of the of the area it's 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 the flavors of the area if it's uh you know if it's german sausages or whatever it's got that yeah. You know, it's got that little bit, this little flavor of this or that's little flavor of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Geta, I mean, Geta is one oh, of those yeah. things that is 
If it you, is. You grow up with it. I don't need think- from scraps. It's I know it's a pork product and it's like G O E T T A. If anybody yes. wants to look it up and it's yep. huge in Cincinnati. Like, yes, yeah, my you- brother went to Xavier a long time ago. And like when yep. we first got there, we learned about Geta because we'd never yeah. heard of it. <laughs> it is, you know, we had uh, in, in the past, I've had, you know, dishes that featured Cincinnati Geta. Glyers is probably the biggest producer of it in that mm. area. And, you know, we did, uh, you know, we did a couple of different dishes that, that had it on there, yeah. uh, a variation on a Benedict, you know, that okay. had I could see that yeah, as, yeah. As, as the patty. And so, you know, those are the kind of things, you know, those, the, the cool thing about those, the, the thing that should make everybody feel good about those things is mm-hmm. when I'm buying that stuff, I'm buying that stuff from somebody that yeah. is my neighbor. They live down the road. Their kids go to the same schools. Yeah. They, they they pay taxes in the area. Their money stays in the area. And you know that if you go down the street and you have a conversation with them and you say, hey, I really want to do a beachy sausage. And can you do this? And can it have these kind of flavors in it or whatever? They're going to do that. And if I call a mm-hmm. national company and say, can you do the same thing? They're not going to, you know, they're probably not going to do that. It's not as easy. It might take longer and then it wouldn't be local either. So yeah, yeah. Definitely. And to be able to tell that story to our mm-hmm. students and to be able to say, here's this farmer, he's right yes. down the road, he's making X, Y, and Z, and that we're featuring that on our menus. They love those stories. They want to be involved in the area. They want to be for part sure. of it. They're not just students here, but they're yeah. here for, for up to four years. Or for four, four years, years, maybe more, they they become a part of that community. And then like when they come back, like those are the things that they remember too. And they can have those foods again when they come back and visit. And speaking of like generations and kids, I saw somewhere that your son is following in your footsteps uh, and going to the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde I'm, Park. I'm so excited. So Gerald <laughs> and I are so excited. We're actually, we booked a, a trip at the end of March. Um, there's an accepted students day on April 1st. And so uh-huh. we're going to travel and we're going to go back to the campus, which I have not been back to since 1994. So That's I guarantee I'm going to recognize a lot of things on there. Oh, but my gosh. Go up and he's going to get a chance to see the other the students that are going to go up there and spend time. He works at a um, at a very high end pizza place in, in Dayton, Ohio right now. And nice. so he's learning a lot of classic techniques and he's learning. He's he's really learning some important stuff. And this is a great, important you know part on his journey. His sister uh, is a is a cardiac uh, care ICU nurse. Oh wow, cool! She's getting ready to start applying to CRNA schools, and so as as parents, you know, ninety eight percent of this has got to be coming from mom. I'm not sure where all this is coming from, <laughs> all this education and all that coming from mom. So yeah. it's, as a parent, it's incredibly exciting to see your kids really flourishing in those areas. So it's, it's as a parent, you couldn't, you couldn't hope for any more than that. Absolutely. And I wonder what, what differences you'll see, like not only on that orientation day, but also like, um, as it goes on, like how you will see that the instruction might be different or just the vibe there is probably different than the early nineties when you were there, I would think. I assume a couple of things, you know, I would assume a couple of things are are radically different. So Mm -hmm. you know, recall us having any conversations in 1994 about sustainability. I don't recall that being part of the narrative at all. That wasn't a thing. Um, It wasn't. Yep. Mm -hmm. We we kept food scraps separate and those went out, but they went to local farms. And so that was probably an early composting thing, but 
Yeah. You know, like uh, I would imagine that's a big difference here on campus. We've got a green roof. I grow vegetables all summer long that we use in oh, our yeah. different halls. We've got urban cultivators inside of our all you care to eat dining hall. So we're growing, you know, herbs, we're growing, oh, yeah. we're growing all that sort of thing. We've got a phenomenal composting program that goes on. That's right. I talked to John about that. So anybody, we can link to that podcast too down below so people can learn more about the composting because that's that's amazing. The, the pre and post consumer waste programs that we've got yeah. on campus are amazing, you know, and if we didn't do that, our students would come back and say, mm -hmm. you're not doing, you know, what we need you to do. Yeah. So that's a big thing. Zero waste stations. You know, we... We've had a couple mm -hmm. of different sustainability nights, but one of the things, you know, on these zero waste stations, we did a station not too long ago where we used rainbow carrots, mm -hmm. posted the rainbow carrots, the peels that came off went into a vegetable stock that, that went back on the carrots when they were done. Oh yeah. The tops of the carrots went into a carrot top pesto. Those are good. Yeah. That's and, a thing. Carrot top and that's, pesto. And so the students came up and they were so interested in it. They were so appreciative of it. We did the very first event that we did this year for the new students coming on was a zero waste picnic. And so we, oh, yeah. did, we intentionally chose menu items that didn't require a knife, fork, or a spoon. Nice. So whole apples, corn on the cob, things like that. We mm -hmm. chose a sandwich that didn't require PCs of ketchup or mustard or anything like that. Yep. So that you could basically consume the entire meal. The plate was compostable and went into a... So, I mean, we're setting that tone with them right when they come in. I would imagine the yeah. other thing that that hopefully that the CIA and, and other schools are talking about is food insecurity, which is such yeah. a huge thing. Students on this campus, it's a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Students on all campuses. And we're, you know, we've we've gotten so drawn into that. So we've got a concept on campus called True Burger that returns 5% of its sales to food insecurity issues for the university. Oh, that's cool. We're an active partner in a couple of different donation programs. Oh, we yeah. Run a, a can drive for, uh, we've got a pantry on campus and we run a can drive mm -hmm. as a department that helps to fund some of that stuff. And hundreds of students use that program um, to, to, to get, you know, some supplemental meals. Yeah, that's an issue. It really is. And it's, it's something that we've covered over the years too. And it's like, it's not something that, that people would necessarily think of, but it's like, yep, it's real. I think, the, I think the difference is, you know, I, I, for some of these different schools, I think one, one of the sets of students that are most hit by this are international students because they're mm -hmm. how they attend and what type of scholarships and things like that that they get. Yeah. I, I think they wind up short often at the end of the mm -hmm. month. We've got a lot of international employees here and yeah. we offer meals as part of the package. Mm -hmm. And that's a really, really good deal for them. Yeah. But, you know, for a lot of our students, that's a that's a bonus. It's a benefit. Mm -hmm. But I think for a lot of the, the, some of the students, at least that we're, that we're hiring. Yeah. It's an important part of it. They need they it. Yeah. They, they wouldn't have a meal otherwise. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, I wanted to ask you two last things as, as we draw near our time, sure. what, can you give us a sneak preview of some menu items that are coming up? So we're, I, I think there's a couple of things that we're kind of working on. So we clearly want to favor out, we clearly want to feature more international flavors all around campus. Yeah. And so one of the things that we're adding to one of our concepts downstairs is a pretty vibrant ramen, um, ramen bowl concept. Oh, that'll be nice. So the students, so 
anytime that you do a thing like that, obviously we want to have a very flavorful broth that is a, mm-hmm. is a protein-based broth and mm-hmm. a very flavorful broth that is a vegan-based broth. <laughs> yeah. Because so many of our students are, if they're not vegan or vegetarian, they're flexitarian and they eat mm-hmm. that way occasionally. Yep. And then, you know, I've found over a longer career that when I tell a student, here's exactly what you want, that's not what they want. And when I give them the options of doing it themselves, they say, that's perfect, right? They put it together. Nobody, yeah, yeah. Nobody can complain about what they've put together, right? <laughs> you did this yourself. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So, so having a finish station for that. So on the yeah. hot side, you've got noodles, you've got the broths, and you finish it that way. And oh, then yeah. you go to the cold finish station and you've got all kinds of items. That's right. The basil and, oh yeah, so yeah. good. So you good. Do it the way. And in the same way that if you went to a restaurant and you ordered a big bowl of pho, they bring mm-hmm. you the and it's got all of those other things. You want to make it spicy, great. You don't oh, yeah. That's the basil goes more with the pho. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So, I, so looking at that, we want them to be able to construct it the way. So that's, um, I think that's a very, very, very big piece for us. Vegetarian, vegan, um, those things are a huge part of what it is that we're doing. And we're really trying to expand more into ancient grains. And I think that's oh, yeah. A, that's a driving sort of a part for us that yeah. rice and those things are wonderful. But if we're getting into yeah. amaranth and birds of paradise and quinoa, and oh, yeah. things, you know, from a, from a nutrition standpoint, those things are incredibly and well constructed. A grain bowl is such a good item too. Mm-hmm. Like bowls are really continuing. It just, it fits very well, especially in the college mm-hmm. setting. Cause it, you can grab it and go. So that's, what's so nice about it. I just had this random idea and maybe it, it kind of came from your chicken wing soup idea. Mm-hmm. What if we had like a cheeseburger grain bowl? Wouldn't that be good with like sort of like the Big Mac sauce and like some shredded lettuce? I think that would be delicious. So we were <laughs> we were just at Xavier University, which is one of our sister universities, a couple of weeks oh, okay. ago, and that that's one of the things that the person <gasps> on the bowl was suggesting. Yes, you know, this is kind of this idea for students of hacks, right? That mm-hmm. On that station, they had a couple of proteins, but she said. If you look, there's kielbasa over on this station today. Uh-huh. Go get some and bring it back, and we'll do your bowl with kielbasa yes. too. Or Students like doing. Ever. They like if it's a they like the hacks. Sort of a menu yes. idea. Yeah, that's kind of a neat thing. They really do. It's fun to play into that. And then the last thing I wanted to ask you is, what advice are you going to give your son as he goes to culinary school and kind of starts his career? So I think for me, what, what the CIA was, it's, you know, it's an incredible experience to sit in class and, and chop the things and all that. What the bigger part of it to me was, was all of the secondary pieces that, um, that you have to take advantage of. And that sometimes it takes you pushing yourself a little bit to take advantage of those things. It's the largest culinary library in the world, right? Oh yeah. More volumes on culinary there that you'll ever find. They're bringing in the best chefs and the most innovative chefs and the most interesting chefs to do cooking demonstrations. Mm -hmm. Not only can you go and you sit in those things and you see them doing it, but you can volunteer to go behind the scenes and help them prep and really get a sense from them, their sous chefs, their whoever they bring on site of what it is that puts this together and you learn yeah. neat little tricks. I spent a lot of my time volunteering for that. Getting mm-hmm. involved in yes. programs and groups and things like that yeah. was, uh, was an incredible part. I, w- I was I, I was a guy that gave, you know, tours around campus and got to meet <laughs> celebrities doing that. Nice. I was part of the Judicial Society when I was there. 
there's all kinds of, you know, things that you can do. Brewing is a huge part of. Oh yeah, that's right. There's yeah. So many. So we're just two different breweries on, on campus now. So, you you know, getting involved in that secondary stuff is Mm -hmm. really critical and how and where you choose your externship is, is a huge part of it as well. So I had, people have these transformative things in their life that happen to them. And mine was my culinary externship. So Paul Charpentier mm-hmm. uh, uh, was the chef that changed things for me. He had a restaurant in Maine. It was called the Epicurean Inn. It was oh, he and I in the so kitchen. So fancy, yes. Two of us <laughs> doing all of these things in a bed and breakfast in, oh. the, in the middle of Maine. Mm-hmm. Every morning, all the products that came in the door were fresh, whole products, that we converted into something and it was incredibly hard work. Oh yeah. At the end of the day that you really learned a respect for the ingredients and yeah. a respect for the process. And so that's the thing yeah. I know for a lot of, of, of kids that they say, I want to go and do a thing that's close to my house, or I want to do a thing that pays the most and all that. Yeah. Just, I would tell him, you go and you pick the place that gives you the very best experience. Yeah. And that's a thing that you carry with you for the rest of your life. I still tell stories about that restaurant. Yeah. Yes. When they ask me about, you know, the things that I've done in my life. Yeah. So your son, what is your son's name? His name is Nick. Nick. Nick well, Nick has his culinary life ahead of him. <laughs> Good luck to Nick. And Absolutely. he's going to be able to bounce ideas off you. And that's so wonderful to have, yes. to have that in his life for yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. so excited for him. Geraldine and I are so excited for him. Oh, I'm so happy for you guys. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending this time. And we are obviously going to keep in touch. I'm going to get down there for a visit sometime because it's not far. So cool. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today. This was wonderful. It was.